Hi there, and thanks for joining us on this episode. The businessman who has 101 tips for you to succeed, the French woman who wants to take your portrait, and a pretty steep learning curve for me, I'll tell you. I find out what a doula does. I'm Jonathan Healy, and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, my next guest has been a management accountant for over 15 years. He spent time in America, in Britain and here in Ireland and started his own consultancy business back in 2003. He's also the author of a book, 101 Business Lessons from a Recovering Accountant. Neil O'Brien, how are you? <laughs> Very good, Jonathan. Uh, Thanks you're for having me. a recovering accountant. It's, it's almost like an admission, isn't it? <laughs> it is a little bit, yeah. I'll tell you where I came from is when I left, you know, in 2003, I said, OK, I'm not going to work as an accountant anymore. I'm going to work for myself as a consultant. So I kind of thought I was leaving accounting behind me and I started advising businesses. But of course, business is all about numbers. So I found myself using calculator and spreadsheets more than ever. So that's where the recovering accountant is. Like there's kind of no getting away from numbers and spreadsheets yeah, the, and, the, and the calculator. You the, know? They're part of your life. Um, why yeah. did you set out to write the book, though? Uh, yeah, good question. I, I suppose where it came from really is that I started uh, in about six years ago, I started writing blogs and daily emails. And so after a couple of years, I had hundreds of these collected. I was doing five a day. So every day, I, if you're on my email list, I'd write a story with a business tip. And people loved them, absolutely loved them. So somebody said to me once, why don't you turn it into a book? So I had about, after a few years, I had about 200 of these blogs written. And I just printed them all off and went through them and I picked out 101 of what I thought were the better ones, put them into categories, seven categories, and mm. published the book. It sounds like a tremendous way to waste time if you decide <laughs> ever to start every morning to start writing a blog. Yeah, yeah. No, but I tell you, it worked brilliantly for me because um, I got loads of business from it because people loved the story. Like a lot of marketing emails, a lot of emails you get in your inbox are very salesy and corporate and people just And get ignored largely, yeah. yeah. Whereas my ones were interesting and people loved them. Like I was mocking my dog and something funny happened. He chased a squirrel instead of a rabbit. So I said, he's going after his wrong target market. He should be chasing the <laughs> rabbit, you see. But people loved them. Absolutely loved the stories. And I've got loads of business from it. It says business lessons from my window cleaner, Margaret Thatcher, George Clooney and many more. What did you learn from the window cleaner? <laughs> uh, that was an interesting story. Simon, uh, I live in an estate in Tower. And so every so often you get people knocking on the door. You know, can I power wash your your driveway? Can I clean your windows? And normally I don't know them. So I say, no, I'm okay, thanks. And this guy, Simon, called one day and uh, he said, uh, would you like your windows cleaned? And I'm kind of looking at him. I don't really know you. No, I'm okay, thanks. And he said, look, he said, I'm doing another couple of houses in the estate. It'll only take five minutes. So I said, oh, sure, okay, Simon. So off he went, charged me 10 euros. It was done very quickly. But when he was finished, I thought what he did was very clever. He said, I'm going to be back in the area in six weeks' time. Will I leave you my number? And I thought, fine. I said, well, can I take your number? I said, I'll never hear from this guy again. Six weeks later, Simon rang me and said, hi, Neil, Simon here, the window cleaner. I'm in the area tomorrow. Would you want, would you like me to clean your windows? And I wasn't even sure if I was around. So I said, um, no, I'm not going to be around. He said, it's OK. Look, if you want, I can do them anyway. Why don't you leave the money under the bin out the back? Right. So Simon was cleaning my windows for years afterwards. And I thought what he did was very clever because he had a very simple system for gathering he didn't say, here's my business card. He said, can I take your number? See, Simon did it all wrong. What I would have done is I would have just on that first occasion robbed the money, not cleaned the windows and moved on. You <laughs> yeah, see, yeah. It's a completely different system. Um, yeah. When you, when you dr- drill into that, uh, business lessons are pretty much everywhere. Uh, it's about how mm. receptive you are to them. Mm, yeah. It's a very good point, yeah. 
And I mean, mindset, one of the seven sections in my book, uh, Jonathan, is actually mindset. And like, I can talk, let's say if you have a business, I can come in and analyze your business and say, Jonathan, you need to be doing this on your pricing. You need to be doing this marketing, you're selling and so on. But if your mindset isn't really open to new ideas or whatever, then I'm, I may be wasting my breath. So mindset, you're right, mindset is very, very important. And it's probably what holds most business owners back mm. is, I'll give you one example, pricing. So many people set their prices too low in business. Don't charge enough. And well, see, I, it's the biggest challenge, and we can tell you from my own business, that, yeah. that is the biggest challenge. How much do I charge? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and at what point do I go, oh, crap, they're not going to pay it, reduce the price and run away? Which is the fear factor, isn't it? We're, there's a fear in there we won't get to business. So we set the prices too low. Now, I've, I've developed about five different templates that you can approach selling price from. But a lot of it is mindset. People are afraid. And sometimes when you... Uh, a very good way of tackling that actually Jonathan is to look at your competition look at competition who are at a similar level to you and quite often people find is John or Mary over there is charging 20% more than me or 30% I'm every bit as good as them and sometimes that will shock somebody into saying you know what I need to charge more um, You say the most important step to dramatically increasing profits uh, is often the most overlooked what is it? Uh, well, I suppose the the whole eighty twenty thing is. I'm a huge fan of eighty twenty, Jonathan. What and is eighty twenty apart from being two numbers that add, <laughs> add two? Okay, if you uh, where it comes into business, really, it's a naturally occurring law. So, um, in business, what it means is that a smallish number. If you have a hundred clients, then twenty of them are giving you the bulk of your profits, and a large number are probably losing your money. The first time I came across this was with an electronic company, and they had thirty six customers. When I analysed the numbers, just three of them. Three out of 36 were giving them 91% of their net profits. 18 of them were losing money. So every business has a smallish number of whales, the profitable ones, and lots of sardines. And once you know where they are, what you want to do is sell more to your whales, and you actually want to filter out the sardines. You want to move them up or move them out. And they can have a massive impact in your bottom line. Mm. Huge. Um, how receptive are people to, to recovering accountants such as yourself <laughs> when, when you go in? Because that's, that's what your business, Quantum Business Solutions, yeah. does. Are people open to it? Some people are. Others aren't. I mean, I suppose I want the ones who, sometimes, Jonathan, people, um, let's say somebody's in business, John or Mary's in business for ten, for 10 years. Um, it's a bit of a struggle. They're not paying themselves the, the, the salary they want to. It's, they're working long hours. Sometimes people need that bit of pain, you know, the frustration to say, I'm fed up with this. I want to change something. So sometimes they're the people I want because the person who's new in business thinks they can take on the world and, and aren't open to new ideas. So quite often I want the, somebody, the person, or maybe the person who's 50 and has no pension, their own business, they need to generate more sales and profits to put it aside so they don't have to work till they're 75 and they can go to their partner mm. and say, who thinks they're retiring at 65, down to West Cork or something, that this is actually doable. Uh, how do you cope with the level of disruption that's out there at the moment, Neil? Because people... Mm might have started off in an industry being top of the pile mm. and then somebody bought it in a way that completely disrupted that business and then they had to evolve and then it got, they got rather tired of that and all mm. of a sudden their business isn't as good as it used to be and, and they're stuck. How, how do you deal with that kind of threat? Yeah, do you have something in particular in mind with that question? No, no, I mean, just it's, a general. it's just a general question about disruption that's in the market. Yeah, I think, you know, in business, like nothing is ever staying the same. I think you have to be constantly... Um, not quite reinventing yourself, but you do need to be looking at <laughs> new um, new angles all the time. Nothing stays the same. I mean, look at Brexit. Uh, look at look at the, the, the downturn a few years back. And, you know, things are always changing. And as Darwin says, it's not the strongest who survive; it's the ones who are uh, best able to change. 
And that's very true in business. Um, how ready are people to admit that they're wrong? Uh, uh, yeah, again, uh, some are, some aren't. And I suppose the ones every so often, Jonathan, I come across someone in business and it's like, you know, nobody knows my business better than me. Who are you to tell me? And those people, I, I, I don't work. I can't work with those people because they're not open to learning anyway. They know it all. But I mean, luckily for me, there's enough of the people out there who are open to new ideas and are willing to change. So the the book, obviously, it's it's been out a little bit. How can people get their hands on it if they want 101 business lessons from a recovering accountant? Yeah, it's on Amazon um, is the main place. Uh, it's for sale. And um, you can go on there and, and order it and Amazon will drop it off in your door a few days later Very with their kind. fabulous service. What, what was George Clooney's advice, by the way? Can you remember? George I'll tell you, George Clooney's story happened, um, I was listening to the radio one morning, may have been Red FM, uh, probably, <laughs> and there was a story, that a rumour that George Clooney was in Blarney Castle the previous weekend. Right. And that some local woman, Carmel, got a kiss from him. And I know a Carmel who works there, so um, I saw her in the shop a few days later and I said, you know, Carmel, are the rumours about yourself and George Clooney true? And she said, yeah. And she was telling me what happened. So loads of people were looking over, kind of going, is that him or isn't it him? What would I say? Uh, deciding what to do. And Carmel marched straight over, said, hi, George. He turned around, welcome to Ireland. And she planked a kiss on his cheek. Ah, so she kissed him as opposed to George kissing her. Aye, How aye, was yeah. it a two-way thing? <laughs> I think it was more Carmel <laughs> kissing him. But, well, but the point was she seized the opportunity. Carpe yes, did. yes. And that is the point. You see, a lot of people in business say, will I do this? You know, will I, will I do this step of marketing? Will I do this? And don't do anything. Whereas Carmel marched straight over there took action well, so that was the lesson let's be more like Carmel uh, the business is Quantum yeah. Business Solutions as well so if people want to take you on for consultancy they can find you there is there yep. a website or is website it? quantum.ie quantum.ie and N- there's one other thing if it's okay to mention it Jonathan I have um, I, I've started a couple of mastermind groups in the last couple of years and they work really really well the way it works is I get a group of eight business owners together for uh, if you want to have a look at that eight business owners together for half a day and, and what everybody brings along a challenge. So let's say your business is pricing, Jonathan, not sure what to charge. You could say you could throw it out to the group and you get lots and lots of ideas and then you pick some actions you're going to do. You come back the following month and the group will hold you accountable. So I have a little session uh, in the Cork International Hotel on the 17th of April for anyone who's interested. It's just a taster of a mass, what a mastermind group is like. Okay, Quantum, if, quantum.ie, they'll find all the details on it. And actually, mastermindclub.info is yes. the website that you'll get more details on it as well. Yeah, or, uh, Neil, pr- yeah, or Neil at quantum.ie. Neil at quantum. Well, Richard yeah. Branson's best kept secret is, is mm. written down here. So if you can, if you, <laughs> it's not a great feckin' secret if you're telling everybody about it. But still, it's worth listening to. At Neil O'Brien from Quantum Business Solutions. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining Thank us. Thank you very much, Jonathan, for having me. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. Now, we all want a lovely portrait of us hanging on the wall to tell everybody how awesome we looked at a particular moment in time. But my next guest is in that particular area that makes people look particularly good. It is a a luxury brand portrait studio operating out of Ballincollig and the company is called Lucy Al Portraits. And Lucy Pui, is that the correct pronunciation? (laughs) Reasonably close. Lucy, you're very welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> How did you end up in the world of portrait taking? I always loved photography, so but I didn't know where, exactly what called me. And I went online looking for like option of what was available as like kind of photographic wise, what are the options? 
And I've stumbled upon a uh, an amazing photographer in New Zealand that was teaching portraits. And I was like, hang on, that's exactly what I love. And I started doing newborn first. <laughs> okay. And I actually transitioned to being more mostly uh, based for women. The newborns are very easy to do because they're all cute and pudgy. Um, so th- th- that is not a particular skill. But getting everybody to the point at which they're happy with their portrait. As a man who's had his photograph taken a fair bit over the years, I've never been happy with a single one of them. Come to me. <laughs> How did you decide that you had the skill, that you're able to capture people in a way that's, that that pleases them, never mind anybody else? <laughs> It's all down with posing, you know, learning how to pose people and creating the best shape for them, for their portraits really helps everything. I like, you know, you were saying you don't like, uh, like you never really liked your portraits. What I like, what I do is like you never leave my studio without a wow factor. I'm not losing, like leaving if you, I didn't hear, wow. Right. Because that's my, my aim. I'm owning for that. And when you say you pose people, how, yes. how do you do that? Is, that? is that the physical structure of their body? Is it how their face is? How is it? It's everything from to the fingertips. So I will be posing your head as well. Just create, like I always say, my, my, all my clients will be leaving. If you ask them, what do you remember about that session? Chin forward and down. That's exactly what I do always. <laughs> what is it? Chin forward and down. Okay. So you have to push your chin forward and down. So you actually define your jaw because the camera see 2D so it actually flattens your face but if you put it forward it actually creates the, the, the a bit of a V around. yes exactly okay. it actually show the definition that we see with our eyes that the camera don't see so it is the traditional thing that we all do lift the chin up no never do the chin up because actually it creates showing the neck and I'm actually going mm. to um, hide the, the neck because I remember more. years ago so one of the first things I learned when I was on TV uh, was that never annoy the cameraman that you're working with because he has the ability or she has the ability to make you look awful and I remember having a fight with a particular cameraman one day and uh, he lowered the tripod by about a foot and shot up making me look like Satan so I learned that trick the hard way but you you do that on behalf of your clients anyway exactly, to make them yes. look good yeah. um, wh- when you started taking photographs what age were you? I like photography itself I started when I was like when I could handle a camera so it was like three or four because my dad worked for ca- uh, Kodak so I always had cameras around oh wow me. okay yeah uh, but as a, a um, as a, a portrait photographer was 20, 2014 yeah. Okay. So. Uh, and, uh, you know, everybody nowadays has a phone in their pocket. And we were talking on another podcast recently about Instagramming and, and how damaging that can be for people's confidence. Do, is everybody an expert on how they think they should look? I think with Instagram, people have distorted version of the, the way they look. And I like putting them back to the way they really look because, you know, people have, oh, I have my angles, you know, like, uh, and it's like, you know... Your well, if you team... don't want to look like a puckered duck, I'm presuming they all have it down to a fine art, but that's not a photograph that you might want to look at in 10 years' time, exactly, I'm guessing. yeah, yeah. Um, do people have a lot of bad habits then when they come into you? No, actually, people will come and surrender to me about like you, the expert. I want you to make me look good. So they actually come to me and uh, they actually mostly nervous, very, very nervous when they come. And like some people will open the door in the studio and just like, I'm actually terrified. I don't know what I'm doing here today. And it's actually for me just to build back the confidence and like for them to just walk back with like, oh, yes, I'm honing it. I'm like. I'm a, a beautiful person, but it's from the inside out. Like, you know, it's not, I'm not just mm-hmm. photographing how you look. I'm actually helping you 
um, your brain as well and the mind is just shifting something inside. You, you spoke in particular that you, you, you offer women a particular service. Yes. Um, that confidence element. Uh, men look, can look like a dog's dinner nine times out of ten. No one notices. Women put an awful lot more pressure on themselves to, to conform to a standard that might or might not exist. When, when a woman comes through the door to you and she has way too much makeup on or she's dressed in something that you don't think is flattering, is it difficult to have that conversation to say, let's try something else? Well, every co- everything comes with a consultation. So my client actually come with no makeup the day of the of the shoot. And we I have a team on site. I have a makeup artist and a hairstylist that will be doing the, your hair and makeup. So you look the best version of yourself. So you do the full service. It's so a everything full is service. Included. Yeah. yeah. yeah you don't need, you, the only thing is for me, it's like for you to come with your clothes, but we do a consultation. So I actually guide you to towards what kind of clothes that will look better. But most of my clients will bring a month worth of clothes when they come to the studio. So how long do they spend in studio if you're getting the hair it's done, you get the makeup done? Yeah. yeah, it's half a day. Yeah, it's a very, it's kind of, uh, roughly around three hours, three or four hours. And if do, do you do men in photographs? I do men, but like what I do is I, I do it with a twist. Mum comes first, mostly when you when I photograph a lot of women that are mums. Um, mums come first, and at the end, the thirty last minutes, dad comes with the kids. I photograph the rest of the family, dad. The kids, the family, and then they go. So gone. the poor old dad's an afterthought in the whole process. <laughs> it's all focusing on the mother, which is the way it yes, should be, exactly. of course. Um, how easy is it to photograph kids? In my experience, so they're easy. nightmares. Oh, really? I oh, yeah. But yeah. Mine, mine put on silly faces and, oh, and they don't the smile faces. properly. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> It's what like for me. It's like I love to have the very kind look and as well as well the silly faces. The reason why I love the silly faces is actually the way you'll be remembering your kids when they grow up. You know, and the thing is, you pick your images when you are uh, two weeks later, three, two to three weeks later. You come and pick your photographs. Mm. So then you can decide if the silly face does not suit you, and you, we can go for the more grandma looking good photograph. Okay. Now <laughs> I. I think that this generation is setting itself up for a huge fall, that they have oceans of photographs stuck on a device in their pocket that will never be printed. And as a result, in a hundred years time, no one will remember what we looked like because the cloud uh, dissipated at some point in the middle of the century. How do you guarantee that we're going to have those photographs? Is it by doing something like you do or, you know, should we start printing our photographs? Oh, I'm a huge advocate about printing. I print in-house my, my photograph for my clients because I really believe that prints are the way to go because, you know, in your in your phone, you will be like swiping and not really looking at the photograph and you'll be done by two minutes. And but, our, our photographs of our grandparents, I mean, I can think of a beautiful picture of my grandmother when she was in her 20s. So that would have been taken in the early part of the last century. And I think that's got pride of place in, in our house now. And I'm thinking, well, what photographs are going to be of Bride of Place of us? <laughs> None. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So that's the reason, like, and I love printing because actually my clients sit down and actually f- take the time to flip through the photographs and pick the one they love. And I really, like, for me as uh, a photographer, I... I've always been around photography and like, you know, I, I have portraits like you, like uh, over 100 years old. Last time uh, I actually went through my grandparents' uh, 
books and albums and actually found uh, a photograph that was taken in the eight, in 1895. So it's kind, it's even 19th century. Wow, okay. So I kind of I said sat down and all looked. very staged. I'm presuming. Yes, in very staged. Yeah. But at the same time, it was it, it's the it's the era was bringing this, and I really love having seen like the posture and everything. It actually showed the confidence people could have. So in other words, to recreate that, you have to have a family with iPhones, Big Macs in their hands, fizzy drinks. That would do it, would it? No, that wouldn't go for a good portrait. <laughs> Lucy, it, it's a fantastic business and uh, you, I love your enthusiasm Thank for you. photography, which really comes through. How do people find you if they're looking for you? So you can find me on all social platforms. It's Lucille Portrait or you can find me on my website to lucielleportraitswiths.com and you have all my information there. You can contact me through my website. And, and that's Lucy, L-U-C-I-E. Yes. A-L, Portrait. Um, Lucy Pooley, it has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us Thank and we you wish you the me. best of luck. Thank you. The only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. My next guest is the founder of the first national doula agency in Ireland. And I'm not going out on a limb here by saying I have no idea what a doula is or what they do or why indeed there's a business involved. So who better to talk me through the process than Mary Ty of Doula Care. Mary, how are you? Welcome to Red Business. Thank you. I'm so excited to be on. Tell me, what is a doula? So a doula is a non-medical support person for families and there are two types of doulas. You can have a birth doula that offers support during your pregnancy and will go to the birth with you, whether you be at home or at hospital, um, and then provide support during the pregnancy, during the labour and then postnatally drop out. But then there are also postpartum visits, uh, doulas that will visit you um, in the house after baby is born and just help you adjust to life with a newborn baby. That whole, you know, that feeling when you get sent home from the hospital with this baby and you're like we're supposed to know what to yeah, do yeah, yeah, no they can't be letting us leave here so we're, we come in and we offer um, informational support emotional support and practical help around the house as well So are you there for the emotional crutch for people uh, during pregnancy yes. uh, during and after? Yes yeah, so uh, during birth we are there for informational support so sometimes a mum will be at the end of the phone ringing us going oh, Mary, I've just been diagnosed with gestational diabetes. I wasn't expecting this. And they're a bit thrown, you know. So emotionally, we're supporting them, asking them how they're doing, reassuring them, and then offering information if needed. Now, we don't, we're non-medical. We wouldn't just pluck information out of the sky. It's all evidence-based. We'd be looking at the World Health Organization guidelines or the NICE guidelines in the UK and offering information on that, their best practice. It's like, this is all the evidence we have. Mm. And then they collate them into a document and we can send that to the client. And then we're also offering, so we do two visits as a birth doula, we do two visits um, antenatally. They're two to three hours long and we're looking at, you know, positions that can help during labour. Um, being upright and mobile, for example. Showing partners how to do some comfort measures for mum. And we're not there to exclude the partners. We're there to support them as well, to support right. the mum to the level they're comfortable. So some partners will want to be hands-on. Others would be a little nervous. And well, you see, and this comes to my point, men are red useless. Uh, in the situation where a woman is giving birth. We know nothing. So yeah. therefore, is the doula as much for the man as it is the woman? Absolutely. And there are some times that we've had um, mums hire us that are like, look, I, you know, this is my second labour, my third labour. So I saw what your man was like beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And I know I need some extra support. But actually, one I find, anyway, we find in doula care that often once 
the, the lads have a bit of, you know, once we're told like, you know, if you do this and put this, you know, your hands on her back like this, or if you offer her food and drink and labour, that can all help or remind her to have a shower. Once they know these things, they love it. You know, they're like, okay, I can be useful. Here's a checklist of things I can do. And then in the labour, we're there, ju- there just to remind them, oh, do you remember we did this and that helped. So are you there for the actual birth then? Is, is, is yes. that part of the doula's role? Yes. Yeah, so from so- 37 weeks on, then we go on call. And then when mum goes into labour, she gives us a ring. And so then what happens if feels- you're in Duns? And you get the phone call. Oh, gee, yeah. It's like, you know, I go, I go running. I, I ring, you know, the childcare that I need and I get that sorted. And um, we give that we say, look, give us about an hour or two. Like, you know yourself, your 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 partner's been in labour. It's not like on the telly where the water's breaking. You know, it's all over. Yes. It's, you know, it's usually a build up. And we'd say to the clients, look, when you think you're in labour, give us a shout so we can get our mm. time organised. So do, do you go then to the hospital? Obviously, some people have home births. So yeah, is- but most of our work is hospital birth. You know, we okay. do the odd home birth. And we're, we have a lovely relationship with the home birth midwives here in Cork. Um, I had a home birth myself, so I know them really well. And they're a fantastic team. They really are. But um, most of our, our work is with hospital um, hospital births. And so, yeah, we would offer labour support at home if needed. For first time mums, the evidence shows if you're comfortable staying at home, if you can stay at home as long as possible, you're less, lo- you know, you reduce the amount of interventions that mm. might happen in labour. So we give them confidence to stay at home. That floor on the bottom of the CUMH, you can see from the outside, but you yes. can't see. In, yeah, yeah, that my yeah. wife is still traumatized by those windows um, yes. every time she passes by because it, it's a fairly stressful place but the midwives don't mind you being in oh, there the doctors don't mind you being in there we have a really we try to build up relationships obviously with the with the staff in there and they're really really busy themselves and so most of them are really supportive and are thrilled to see the doula come in because they're like okay great you know here's that 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 person that's going to emotionally support the mum I've loads of paperwork to get done you know so I can work on that and then I can offer support um, so it frees them up a bit and when we work together we make a great team mm. so as I said we, and we've built up great relationships I have a lot of lovely friends in there now that are midwives So there's a growing number of ye um, and I suspect after an event that is going to happen in the next couple yeah. of weeks there is going to be a huge demand for the service because Harry and Meghan have got a doula for themselves now there is a royal doula Yes, that's as far as we know anyway. Um, there seemingly is, yes, a royal doula. And it ha- there has been a lot of interest because the press have been talking about it. So we've had a lot of interest actually yeah, in doula support. And even though the royal baby is obviously going to be very important as a member of the royal family, it is still a baby that is going to come out of a woman in the presence of a man. So therefore, yeah. what you do with your clients is the same that Harry and Meghan are doing. Exactly, yeah. And the midwife is there. Obviously, they're going to be in the hospital and the midwife is there. So we're an add-on. Like, we're an extra support. The thing, when you go into the hospital now, I don't think this will probably happen to Meghan, but in general, there's shift changes, you know. So you have your 12 hours and then shift changes. So we're there through all of that. We stay by the mum's side and we don't leave and so we're there through all those shift changes we're that familiar face if you're going in through the hospital system and you're public you're seeing maybe 20, 30 different staff throughout your pregnancy so we're that constant that are, is there that we can you know the mum can ring us after an appointment if she's gotten a bit of a shock or she just wants to chat and say it went really well mm. so we're there and then during the labour we're there through all the shift changes that's really I think most families really like that What's the problem or the challenge posed by others in the room? So in other words, the, the husband or the partner is going to be there. Um, that, what about me, ma'am, uh, who sometimes wants to be in the room? So if there's a ma'am, there's a husband, 
there's a doula, there's yeah, a midwife, well, there's a doctor. All of a sudden you have a full menagerie, don't you? CMH actually have a one person only policy. So normally it is just the partner, but they do, like you can write in and request an extra person. But I don't think now they'd be into the mother and the doula. And, you know, <laughs> now maybe they would. I don't know. But that would be Common sense a lot of people. In. That there's would be a lot of people. people. In the room. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. Look, I'm guessing, Mary, it's very rewarding work. Oh, it? it's absolutely. Uh, yes, I love it. I've, I've been a doula now since 2006 and I don't do as much hands on anymore because obviously I'm running the agency now so a lot more admin involved in that um, but I'm still there touching base with clients and seeing how they're doing and at the end of the phone to support and mentor the doulas that are that are in the team with us Okay look it's it's a mad world that I didn't realise existed um, uh, the company is called Doula Care Ireland how can people find out more about what you do and whether they can get access to a doula Yeah so we are doulacare.ie that's the website and we're also on Facebook and Instagram as Doula Care and Twitter um, and we also have a partnership with Irish Life Health actually which um, helps they provide uh, some money off birth doula support and then they also provide a couple of hours of postpartum support free of charge so if you have uh, insurance with Irish Life Health you can get a couple of hours through us and you don't have to pay anything for it Okay well we wish you the very best of luck with the onslaught that's going to follow the birth of the royal baby and everybody having huge interest in doulas as a result but for now Mary Ty of Doula Care Ireland thank you so much for joining us on Red Business No problem thank you for having me My thanks to all my guests. Don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts from Red FM on redextra.ie. If you want to get involved in Red Business, then email redbusiness at redfm.ie. Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one.